Breakers, and welcome to the 44th episode of Project Studio Tea Break. I am Mike Senior, and I am here with the man that some have been calling the Wolf of Covent Garden, John Whitten. <laughs> or was it the Giant of Covent Garden? The, the Fairy of Covent Garden? Well, look, I hope the six people who got that joke enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I don't know if the rest think I'm some kind of investment banker in a chintzy <laughs> overpriced street market or something. Could be. But I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. That's fine. That's me. I'm John. It's lovely to be here. Now, normally, John, I would ask you whether you've earned your tea break. But frankly, I do not care a fig. <laughs> An ounce. And I know that you have a similar level of disregard for how I've earned my tea break this month. Because there's only one batch of tea break earning that I want to hear this month. Every word that you say is just hell to me, Mike. Mm. Normally, I can endure it just fine. But every (laughs) word is delaying what's coming. It's just torture. It's... I don't care about what you've got to say, except for one thing only. What's that? And that is that the only tea break we want to hear about the earning of is from our very first historic first ever live guest, the owner of RebeccaAngel.com. It's the one, the only, the other Rebecca Angel. Hello. Welcome. Hi, I'm the other. I'm the other Rebecca Angel. So have you earned your tea break this month? Oh, hi, Mike and John. Yeah, I think I have. Mm, Fantastic. (laughs) I did just upload a couple things to YouTube, Mm. which is how you guys found me. true. Apparently, like of all the things I do, that's how you find me. Indeed. So I just uploaded a video I made of myself just singing a song called Daring. Okay. You know, looking at the video, I think I made it last year and I was like, oh, I never actually did anything with that. So (laughs) I put it up, but it's like right, the, the camera is like right on my face so if you want to know what it's like for me to like sing at you yeah i mean is it kind of word painting the daring element of it yeah right there i'm daring i'm staring at you a very personal experience yeah. and that's a piano song and then i also uploaded another song uh it's a preschool song because i also am a preschool teacher okay i just do music with little three and four year olds oh well you'll be right at home on the podcast then <laughs> oh yes i mean we won't quite be able to match their level of maturity but we will we will do our best we'll strive for you i'll do the hello song well hello um, so i <laughs> So I also uploaded a song I wrote for my preschoolers that's called Pumpkin Moon. Okay. And that one reminds me of the songs that my grandmother used to sing me from like the 30s and 40s. Oh, wow. It's got that feeling to it. Pumpkin Moon. Oh, wow. Out tonight. It's only a pumpkin moon. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. it's like it's totally that kind of melody. Yes. (laughs) Oh, wow. I love it. And that's on with ukulele. Oh, right. And um, let's see. I uploaded a song up on Insight Timer. So that's kind of a new thing for me. So Insight Timer is a meditation app. (laughs) Okay. Well, um, my songs aren't really meditative, but they can tell me they don't want me if they (laughs) want me there. (laughs) You never know if you don't try. What's the song that you uploaded? So I've done a few. Actually, I just like looked through my catalog and, you know, it's like, ooh, that's depressing. Nope. That's depressing. Nope. That's a really, really sexy love song. Nope. Okay. So there's one called Start Living, which is just to accept where you are in life and enjoy it. Mm. And I thought that works. So I put that one up. That sounds very meditative. And then this month I recorded a new song that I wrote and I was so excited. Amazing. Because I was like, I, you know, I haven't been writing a lot of music lately besides for my preschoolers, like personal music. Okay. And the recording is so bad. (laughs) And I didn't even plan out the harmonies. I was like, eh, whatever. Yeah. You know, because I am where I am, I was like, I have one afternoon to record do all the harmonies. Mm. Uh, I can't even call it mixing. <laughs> and then upload it because that was the only time I had. Yeah. And I really just had to go, 
good enough. <laughs> so if you're on Inside Timer and you want to hear my very good enough recording of an otherwise very nice song. Well, I mean, I'm not sure when you're meditating, you should be anything but lukewarm. <laughs> well, there we go. This, this seems you want to avoid the extremes. Yeah. Which actually made me think of a question, Rebecca, which I think we all need to have a stab at. Mm. What is the song you would be least capable of meditating to? <gasps> In all the world of music and sound. Wow. So I love Neo Funk and Soul. So that's my jam. Okay. I can't meditate to that. Uh. I mean, I'd be like wiggling my hips. I have to get up. You know, there's no Zen moment there. That's just, we need to get down. Yeah, we need to start moving. Yeah. So that would be for a very good reason. Mm. But mm. yeah, anything death metal, I suppose. <laughs> wow. <laughs> really? <laughs> Meditating and like, going, ah, ah, ah. yeah, right. Yeah. I'm like, I, I don't really know what you are saying. <laughs> yeah. Oddly, I think I would find it easier to tune out death metal than Snarky Puppy or Louis Cole or, or any of these lot. You know, I, I suppose so. Yeah. You know, ultimately for me, it's just static. It's just the washing machine running in the other room right. when you get to really heavy metal. Mm. Yeah, actually, if you turn down the volume, it would just be like, <laughs> you know, that might be very meditative. <laughs> yeah, it'd be one of those white noise generators. It'd be the sound of rain on a window. You can you can meditate to that, no problem. Careful there, Rebecca. You're at the risk of generating a new subgenre. <laughs> Quiet metal. I mean, they've been created for less than that, haven't they? Quiet death metal. <laughs> Meditation metal. Meditation metal. <laughs> I like that a lot. Ah, <laughs> oh, but there is another question that has been playing on my mind because obviously we've spoken a couple of times just setting up this episode. Yeah. And there's been a topic that I've deliberately skirted around knowing that John would want to hear our first reactions to it. Yes, please. And that is that RebeccaAngel.com and RebeccaAngel.net have attempted communications before. (gasps) (laughs) Really? So I feel like everyone knew about the Rebecca-verse, except us, Mike. This is... The (laughs) Rebecca-verse. It was established canon. Okay, so, all right, I'm sure everybody once in a while, you Google your name. Oh, of course. So I Google my name. (laughs) Yeah, and like, I would say for the last, like, 15 years, Mm. or say when the internet was invented, mm-hmm. you know, it's been me. Mm. That's it. There's only one Rebecca Angel out there. So I was like, that's great. <laughs> and then a few years ago, I typed in, I was like, wait, who's that? And and also a singer. Mm. So I immediately just sent a message. Yeah. Like I, I listened to something. I was like, oh, that's lovely, you know, and I love jazz. That's, you know, didn't hear anything back. I was like, that's okay, whatever. So I just kind of left it at that. Yeah. Except then when YouTube and Spotify, they do these artist pages, mm. we got combined. Oh, oh my you word! You got merged. There's three. There were three oh, no. Rebecca Angels, but because apparently my, I'm just going to say it, my standing was the highest. <laughs> we have the space for smack talk here. They all were on my page. <laughs> so they they were just contributing their music to your page. This is some kind of tribute to the chief Rebecca Angel. <laughs> he was. Yes. Right. It was the Rebecca Angel clan page. With you as matriarch. <laughs> yes. As the matriarch, I thought, Get off my channel. (laughs) So I I did send a message in a very nice way. I was just like, I'm sure you want your fans to follow you. Because often it's not like a photo of somebody's face either. It's just like the album. or So you can't know. And the thing is, I don't really sing jazz, but there are certainly songs of mine that are (laughs) jazz-y. Whatever. So like, and and she's a soprano. And I was like, oh, shoot. Like, I don't even know if anybody can tell us apart. (laughs) John, do you reckon you can tell them apart? That'll be a competition we have to do later on. I think that that's what we have to do. So instead of throwing a SmackDown competition, I just contacted her and I just said, you might want, you know, your fans. And and I did all I could behind the scenes, like contacting them. And I never heard back. 
But within a few weeks, we were uncoupled. Right. <laughs> so All right. There, there was a decoupling. <laughs> and, but the, <laughs> there was a silent decoupling. There was a decoupling of the two Rebecca Angels. The third Rebecca Angel has taken me so long to get off my pages. <laughs> it's one song. And I think it's like a spiritual song it's called Pray of Power. That's and amazing. It's on like all of my stuff. Oh, and, wow. and the thing is, it's hot. It's popular. <laughs> and I was like, maybe I shouldn't touch it. I mean, you realize you could probably break YouTube if you did a cover of that. <laughs> yes, it would be insane. I think it would be like exponential. There would be an algorithm somewhere that would go up in smoke. Yeah, oh, so, I, so I, they finally, I contacted them again. So so now I think I am the lone person, like me. Right. I think it's just me on Spotify. Hey. I think I have decoupled all the Rebecca Angels into their respective corners. Last one standing. <laughs> it's nice to start with the reigning champion of the Rebecca's Angel. Yes. Well, it could be Rebecca and the angels. <laughs> Rebecca and the... <gasps> That's a super group that we need. Oh. Desperately, as a world. Now, never let it be said that this podcast is not well researched because I just have to briefly newsflash both of you into the existence of Amanda Thompson. Okay. A woman in Falkirk who runs heavy metal yoga and meditation. <laughs> <laughs> It honestly, what? it looks amazing. <laughs> it, it looks like a real stress buster. I want to do that. There is nothing new under the sun. We didn't even invent that. No, not even slightly. <laughs> we just got where Amanda got about seven years ago, by the looks of things. Oh well, go Amanda. Yeah. And we, as usual, have a little bit of follow-up from previous episodes. Fantastic. If you cast your mind back to uh, Banksy's incredible shredding artwork that we looked at a good long time ago. It's been a couple of years now. Now, I've got to ask, Rebecca, did this story make it across the pond? If it did, I'd miss that. Well, you would be forgiven. This is a very provincial thing, which which kind of tells you what we get excited about in England. It's a mm. very <laughs> smaller island mm. with just kind of drizzly weather and lots of sheep. Mm. So really anything will get us a buzz. Okay. And in this case, a famous famous street artist called Banksy mm-hmm. and no one knows who he is everyone knows who he is but no one knows who he is um, and he's, he's quite a cultural figure yeah one of his pieces was up for auction okay in a very fancy auction house in a very ornate frame it was one of his few framed bits of art that he'd ever done alright normally he's just on walls but here it was in an ornate and beautiful frame I didn't know if they like blasted a wall and like were taking pieces of the wall you know like, <laughs> I, like we have gangster tags around here I don't know if that's the same thing <laughs> <laughs> that with like shading, with more pretension. Yes. <laughs> Tags with shading. <laughs> Tags with shading. Gosh, all my art friends are upset with me now. And then as it was sold, a shredder, a paper shredder that had been built into the frame secretly activated and it started shredding the painting itself. In the auction house. Right in front of everyone's eyes. Oh my God. And everyone kind of dropped their monocles into their gin and tonics. Because <laughs> all of you guys have monocles. We do. They get given out at the start of every day at school. <laughs> Why do you think I talk like that? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so they shredded this art. Oh, my God. Honestly, it was all that was in the news for about a week. Massive media sensation. Yeah. And the shredder jammed or stopped or something halfway through. So what was left was this very ornate frame, half a painting inside it, and half of the painting kind of shredded. Strips hanging out the bottom. Um, Like a jellyfish. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It was uncannily like a jellyfish. (laughs) 
Um, and how, how much did it sell for in that state? Well, just before it shredded, it sold for $1.4 million. Okay. Okay, and then when it was shredded? It instantly put Banksy in the history books. <laughs> Every media outlet just had column inches for miles. Mm. Everyone had a fabulous mm-hmm. good laugh at the art world from the outside. Yeah. It was just generally a good time free for all. Good time was had by all. But my open question was, was the person who bought it actually maybe the loser of the situation? Was it not a complete win for everyone? Yeah, because what are they going to do with it? Which brings me to my question, because it was just sold again a few weeks ago. Oh, wait, so the person who bought it for $1.4 million, and then it got shredded, yeah. then they resold it. How much do you think it was sold for just now? Four. Four million. Oh, I, I have a little more faith in humanity than you at, at this point, <laughs> Rebecca, though maybe not for long. Um, I would say two. You know, it is more valuable, but it was already a Banksy. It was? Two million, that's more than I earn in, in a year. Okay. <laughs> is it? <laughs> I, I'm just going to wait till Rebecca's finished drinking her tea. <laughs> so I don't spit it on my mic? <laughs> Safety precautions. Before telling you that it sold for $25.4 oh, million. Dollars. Oh, my God! <laughs> As I predicted in the show. What? You thought it was going to be that insane? Oh, I knew it was. Oh, that is literally obscene. How, why? How, oh, my God. Two years appreciation. <laughs> I mean, it's like 15 times its value. Is, is that just like somebody who's like, I have too many yachts? I mean, <laughs> yes, like, I need to have jellyfish street art? <laughs> jellyfish street art. <laughs> Chef's kiss. Well, it's a bit like that, but if you think about it, Art is built on history and statement, isn't it? Yes. So it's like the first time someone put a urinal in an art gallery, Yes. that became far more valuable just for having been the first urinal that was put in an art gallery. And so this is a moment in history, and moments in history suddenly gain huge amounts of value for no inherent reason. Right. Well, that's deeply depressing, Mike. What else you got for us? (laughs) My second small bit of follow-up is we cast your mind back to our in-depth coverage of the film version of the musical Cats. Oh, God, I never saw that. So many people said, don't, don't, don't. Yes, and they were right. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Mike did it so we didn't have to. (laughs) Oh, okay. So, John, you didn't get to, you didn't have have that burn in your brain. I didn't get to see it. That's a funny way of putting it. No, I was spared. (laughs) I was spared the torture that surely would have been. Well, um, Andrew Lloyd Webber was... uh, recently interviewed in Variety, the magazine, Mm. and it turned out that he was so hurt by all the uh, vilification of of his Cats movie (laughs) that he went out and bought a support dog. What? (laughs) I don't know what to think about that. Are you for real? I don't know. What do you mean? Like he just needed to cuddle? (laughs) I think so. I mean, I'm I'm fully supportive of cuddling as a form of therapy, but still. And the thing is, he then apparently tried to justify taking it on the plane with him as a support animal. Oh. No, come on. And the airline got back to him and said, well, prove that this is a real thing. And he said, well, have you seen the reviews of cats? (laughs) (laughs) And apparently apparently the airline's response was, no doctor's report required. (laughs) (laughs) That's the most damning support anyone's ever received. I can't imagine... An acquiescence to a request that is more hurtful than, you know what, you're right. The world detests your art enough for us to consider it a medically viable, my word. Pet that dog, just pet that dog. Okay. Oh, it's an amazing show, though. I love the Broadway show. Well, all Broadway shows, I don't even care what they are. Basically, any live event or performance where 
there are people who are so good at what they do. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I don't even care what the content is. I don't care what the Mm -hmm. genre is. When you see somebody performing and they are so good. Honestly, if it was death metal, and I have seen (laughs) live shows from a distance because I like my hearing. But, like, they're good. If somebody's good, they're good. I don't care. So, yeah, like, even if you don't like cats, they're these amazing dancers, beautiful singers. You know, it was a beautiful show Mm. for, (laughs) I can't really say because of the content, but more because of the people putting it on, you know? (laughs) I mean, it's a musical that really makes no sense at all. (laughs) I mean... I mean, what kind of plot does that musical have? It doesn't. It's a bunch of dancing cats. That's it. There's no plot. I mean, what's remarkable to me is that Andrew Lloyd Webber managed to pitch this. Yeah. To some investor. I don't know if he was hugely independently wealthy or if he actually had to go into a room and say, right, so there's these dancing cats. And the investor said, okay, and? Right. And he said, and they, and they dance. <laughs> That's as far as you go. And the investor said, okay, right, why? Well, because they're dancing cats. <laughs> and this meeting not only happened, but the investor said, yes. Yes, let's put this on. What's not to love? <laughs> Can they wear spandex? Can, she, yeah. Can they have huge hair? Yeah. Like, that is gold. <laughs> this went well. This went well for him. It was like the longest running Broadway musical. Yeah. There is no question that it was. And we are all partly responsible for that. I've paid my penance, though. I watched the film. I think so. I think that you paid more than the rest of us did. Where did you go for emotional support <laughs> after Cats? Yeah. Like, I'm still broken. Still a, a broken man. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. No. So if Andrew Lloyd Webber gets a dog because of the reviews, does he, because we know he's wealthy enough, is he required to give therapy dogs to everyone who has seen the movie? <laughs> <laughs> this seems like a fair move to me, and I'll tell you partly why. Yeah. That would only be, from what I can read on the internet, mm. about three or four hundred dogs. <laughs> His multi-millionaire status could stretch. It's another bumper month in the Project Studio Tea Break newsroom. Mm. And it means that, unfortunately, we cannot get to everything. My word. So even though our staunch supporter, patron, Patrick, has alerted us to a new news story, I can't really cover it much, except to say that someone has recently created the world's largest pumpkin subwoofer. <gasps> Wait, out of a pumpkin? Mike, how are we not stopping on this one? <laughs> we cannot gloss over this. I, I mean, we're going to start with Rebecca's question, and then I've got six of my own. Well, I mean, seeing as we're here, <laughs> this was using a roughly £1,000 pumpkin okay. from a local Harvest Festival weigh-in. <laughs> uh, it was carved with a handsaw. I, I saw the skin of this thing while I wasn't researching it. Mm. And it was about five or six inches thick. The skin. Most normal subwoofers are like 8, 10, 12 inches, that kind of size. Mm. This is a 30-inch subwoofer. Oh, my word. Does the pumpkin, like, Vibrate? He was carving it in the back of a like a, a lorry, and the whole lorry was vibrating. <gasps> That's wow. so cool! Wait, wait! If you sprinkled cinnamon on that, and it, you start pumping it, would it like make pumpkin spice like hey. in the air? Hey, he saw him are... sprinkling cinnamon in before he put the subwoofer in. <gasps> no, you're now you're just joking with me. He totally did. <laughs> he did not. It took him about two weeks to do. <laughs> and, <laughs> and these subwoofers are so big that they only normally use them for infrasound. Mm. Which is like sound below the human hearing system. Very useful. Well, but you can use it for like subterranean kind of earthquakey style effects. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. 
It has a 12 hertz resonant frequency. Oh, my word. <laughs> which is below the range of human hearing. That's low. Yeah, I'm like, my very little science tells me that it is too low. That's about an octave lower than the very lowest note we could possibly hear. Yeah. Oh. So, obviously, he decided, well, who can we get to test this thing? So, he rang up the uh, Guinness World Record holder for the world's lowest singing voice. Oh, <laughs> a guy called Tim Storms. Is he Russian? Because I heard Ru- Russian and Ukrainians, like they have that low. Well, I would have thought that, but no, he's an American. I think it's American. It might be Canadian. Oh, yeah, but then they're probably from Russian or Ukrainian background. You probably. Yeah, it's all cold up there. <laughs> Mike, I've got to say, I'm getting more and more sorry that you didn't have time to research this story because it sounds like it's <laughs> fascinating. I just didn't have time, John. I was rushed off my feet. I know. I would be really sad if we missed this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, but, but so what happened next? Or what would have happened next if you'd had the time to research it? Well, as far as I understand, (laughs) he first broke the record back in 2000 Mm. by getting down to 8 hertz. (gasps) A person? Singing 8 hertz. Wow. But then he broke his own record by going down to 0.79 hertz. No. That's absurd. He broke it again, though. No, wait, Mike. What? Really? (laughs) He went to 0.189 hertz. A person? (laughs) That's one opening of a vocal fold every six seconds, pretty much, (laughs) as far as I can understand it. I, I, I can't even... Listen, I wish you could see the, the Zoom call here because it's just me and Rebecca <laughs> looking baffled. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't even know what to say. Absolutely gormless. I thought you were practising opening your vocal folds once every six seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, I can't imagine it. Like, we can't even hear it. Yeah. All I could do is, like, imagine the... Well, the... I can send you a link to uh, this guy singing an acapella song. I'm very excited about this, Mike. Yeah, I'm, I'm listening. What? So not only does he have the voice, though, but he can actually carry a tune. Well, yeah, he's a proper singer, but he can go just ridiculously low. Oh, wow. And if you notice from my voice, I'm, this is really sexy. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. That's the most ridiculous thing. And every time I'm listening to him and I expect him to kind of finish a phrase by popping up the octave. He goes down. All the way to this note, which is just breathing for me. If I even try and imitate it, it just comes out as... (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, it would just be burping. I have never heard a voice quite like that before. Wow. Well, I'm a fan. Phenomenal, isn't it? This podcast is the way I find about 90% of the things that I like. Yeah. I I listened like the Bulgarian women choir. It made me cry. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Fabulous, aren't they? Yeah. You know, while I wasn't researching it, there was also one final detail that I liked. Okay. Which was that it seemed like the sponsor of the video was uh, the Silver Falls Brewery. Oh. And this was meant to tie in with their latest stout, (gasps) the Subwoofer Stout. The Subwoofer Stout. (laughs) This really deep, rich... Oh, excellent. 11% alcohol by volume. Wow. Oh, my word. And my favourite phrase in the whole conversation about it was, it's like an infra beer. (laughs) (laughs) It's so dark and smooth, I can't even taste it. No, exactly. (laughs) 11% in a beer. That's like one of the Oktoberfest beers, isn't it? Oh, do they, they have like special brews? Oh, yeah. The Oktoberfest beer is much stronger than your average beer. It's about 10 or 11%. It's a dark magic potion Mm. is what they're serving there. Which also, you know, reframes the fact that they serve those in litres. That's a lot, though. I know. You can't drink that. I mean, I guess over a day? I have very bad memories of having drunk two, which (laughs) you can't normally say about a drink. You you actually have a memory? (laughs) (laughs) So 
as I said, I would have liked to have reported on the world's biggest pumpkin subwoofer, but I just didn't have time. <laughs> I guess we'll never know. It's very sad. Because I felt it wasn't that topical because it's not Halloween any longer. <laughs> Tis actually the season to be jolly. <laughs> Which brings us to this month's proper news story. Do tell. And it is strangely fitting somehow. Because it is a new press release from the gift giver that just keeps on giving. Lydia Sherwood <gasps> at Presto Public Relations. Now, Rebecca, <laughs> Lydia Sherwood is extremely important in our story with you as well, because <laughs> who did we first find out about from Lydia Sherwood, Mike? The whole beginning of the Rebecca Angel story was us getting our first unsolicited press release from Presto Public Relations <laughs> about Rebecca Angel. All right. About the other Rebecca Angel. And, and this was the one that just you had to comment on. In total, I think we've had three press releases now. Okay. And we've covered them all. Oh, Oh, good, good. <laughs> oh, this is the third one. What was the book that we got a press release for, Mike? Uh, something like a tour guide to geriatrica or something, <laughs> I think it was called. Which fit perfectly into what you guys do. Uh, well, obviously, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, we covered it. We gave it about half an hour of free airtime. Yeah. So look, anyone with a press release, <laughs> don't, don't be thinking, oh, they wouldn't do this. They've got standards. Don't be shy. We've proven that wrong time and time again. You don't need to worry. So... Obviously, it is strangely fitting. After this whole long story, we come right back to the source of this all, to Presto Public Relations. Now, this one is going to be a question for John. Mm. If we cast our mind back to that very first press release, when we looked over the impressive artist roster mm -hmm. on uh, Presto Public Relations website, mm -hmm. including the African Children's Choir, Ray Barnett, yeah. Simrit, and Todd Mosby. Now, if you had to pick one of those artists that you just wanted to know more about... Todd Mosby. <laughs> like, no doubt, no question. Todd Mosby. Absolutely. Well, clearly you must have written that on your note to Santa. <laughs> Presto Public Relations have read it. Hooray! Because I bring you news from Lydia Sherwood of Todd Mosby's latest single. Incredible. Okay. He is bringing new vision to the classic holiday song... Old Lang Syne. Okay. And I quote, Mosby wraps this tune in Whoa. an ever-expanding package of lush harmonies and interconnecting interludes. I'm so glad that's the type of raps that you meant. When you started, <laughs> Ted Mosby raps this tune. You, you do, Rebecca, right? I heard it without the W yep. and was horrified. <laughs> mm. And I think we can't go any further without listening to it. Agreed. Please. Agreed. Hooray. Right, yeah. Mike, I have heard songs with lower tempos than that. I don't think I've ever heard a song that is that slow. It's chill. <laughs> I mean, in which case, then, maybe this uh, bit of blurb from the press release might adequately sum up your, your impressions here. It says, "Okay, Todd Mosby is inviting us into a realm of music in which creativity knows no time nor bounds. <gasps> oh, yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. I would, say, I would say that his creativity knows no time. <laughs> yeah. That's not fair. That's unkind. Todd Mosby, thank you for this beautiful song. I just love that phrase in the press release because in which creativity knows no time nor bounds is so meaningless. It's like, well, okay, well, what about the bounds of the fact that this is just another single of between three and four minutes or the bounds of that it's drawing material from Old Lang Syne or... or Traditional jazz lineup, or Western tuning and scales, or consistent four-four time signature, or releasing it for Christmas. <laughs> or releasing it for, yes. Now, if there was a least creative time to release an old Lang Syne cover, this is when you do it. Or maybe, maybe he's done it intentionally twelve months before next Christmas. Oh yes, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe that was it. Or maybe after you listen to it, halfway through it starts shredding itself. <laughs> 
<laughs> now then I might have believed him. And I was like, where's the rapping? Yeah, you're expecting it. Suddenly to come in, the beat to kick, the drop. Oh, acquaintance before God. You know, I'm like, where is that? <laughs> so I kept skipping to the, where the rapping is going to come in. <laughs> to finally hit the drop. It would have been unbounded, you're right. We need that guy to come in and drop the bass yes, for this. Yes, Mr. Storms. And then the creativity would have like... Yeah, 100%. <laughs> the other phrase in the press release that totally caught my eye. After she says, um, uh, inviting us into a realm of music in which creativity knows no, no time nor bounds. It goes on. Mosby is offering his most ripened ideas to a cast of seasoned artists. Now, I don't know about you, but that conjured to my mind the idea of ripened as like an old cheese. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, yeah. well, yeah. is there any less flattering image to draw to mind for like a jazz fusion track than the idea of cheese? I, I think <laughs> there is, which is the image that came to my mind, which is just mouldy fruit. <laughs> like, ripe isn't a spectrum that you want to shoot right to the end of. <laughs> You're not looking for most. You're looking for like the sweet spot. I have never been to a greengrocer and say, where are your most ripened oranges? I'm sure they'd be happy if I did. They could offload the ones that are basically turning into soup. Mm. Now, when I heard that phrase, I just thought of very old people. And I'm just wondering if that's what, like, it's an insult. It's like, these are only for the old <laughs> listeners. Or it could it be, could instead be. of saying old people, now I might use the phrase, we are ripened. Ripened. I could say, I'm not old, I'm well ripened. Mm-hmm. See, but again, right there, Rebecca, you would say well ripened. You would not say, I am the most ripened. <laughs> that's right. I didn't even, like, I couldn't even repeat that because it wasn't a very good phrase. <laughs> it's not a great phrase, is it? It's funny, that's a theme with these press releases. Yeah. But easily the highlight of this whole press release was actually then... And this is quite a long bit, but it's worth following through. I'm here for the ride. When researching the history behind this most popular song in American culture and around the world, Mosby found Old Lang Syne to offer a very unique, oh, I hate that, very unique history and mythology surrounding its origins dating back some 12,000 years to Ireland. What? As Irish legend has it, the song was carried by remnant survivors of an ancient civilization called Atlantis. What? Crossing the sea in search of new lands, reflecting on acquaintances lost but not forgotten, along with a strong spirit of hope, they landed in what is now present-day Ireland. Wait. In remembrance of that time and event, this song has been handed down through the millennia. This one's sci-fi. I take it back. Lydia Sherwood is now my favourite novelist. (laughs) That's the best. Now, I was fascinated by this claim. So I typed Old Lang Syne Atlantis into Google. This is how dedicated Mike is, Rebecca. (laughs) And it came up with a load of very new agey stuff about a place called Lemuria. Okay. Basically a fictional continent that (laughs) apparently sank beneath the Indian Ocean at some point. But it's been kind of thoroughly debunked. It is now mostly just a kind of a new agey occulty thing. Um, The 12,000 years thing seems to come from a book by Aurelia Louise Jones, Mm -hmm. a spiritual minister ordained by the Brotherhood of Light and the Order of Melchizedek. Oh, wow. So I checked out her website at Lemuria connection.com of course you did <laughs> intrepid cub reporter mike senior tell us what you found <laughs> it includes various books my favorite of which is one called angelo's message and i quote a touching message from angelo a beautiful balinese angel cat who incarnated on this planet to speak to mankind on behalf of the animal kingdom angelo's message was channeled through aurelia at the request of goddess Quan yin yes so basically 
It's a bunch of made-up stuff. Whoa. What in that says to you made up? <laughs> this is a belief system. Can I just say, my favourite phrase in what you just read, and possibly that I've heard all week, is beautiful Balinese angel cat. Yeah, that is actually a, a great phrase. I yeah. want my yeah. next album to be called beautiful Balinese angel cat. <laughs> so, Rebecca, I've got an idea, and I, I'd like your thoughts on it, because obviously Lydia Sherwood has been very good to us on this podcast mm. to give us all these things to talk about. Just gives and gives and gives. <laughs> she and does. I've... I've I've actually got the the first release I've ever made under my own name. Congrats. Uh, I guess it will have come out for people who are listening to this a couple of weeks ago. And I really want to see if I can get her to write a press release for it. If I can engage her (laughs) to send out something on my music. How would you approach that? How I mean, like you have to ask her to represent you? I mean, is that how that works? I'll be honest, I'm I'm not after a binding long-term relationship here. Just a bit of freelance work. Right, so this is a one-night album. <laughs> I, I prefer Mike's framing, freelancing. Is it, that, that's, what I, that's what I call my one-night engagement. Oh, is, that, is that what we call that now? Okay. That's, that's what the kids are saying, yeah. Hey, fancy some freelance work with no contractual obligations? You could probably just write to her and just flatter her. Yeah. Just say, like, you work for a company that receives... A media outlet. Yes, and you are so impressed and it would mean so much to you as an artist and it would her art like really bring (laughs) your art to another level yeah let's call it a more unique level to yes indeed (laughs) i'm I'm taking notes a very unique level (laughs) well picked up oh (laughs) i really want this oh wow i am curious to know what my mother my darling mother has to say about this music i care more what lydia sherwood's gonna say It's sad, but it's true. That's gorgeous, Rebecca. I'm taking my notes. Now, picking up on this whole, like, mystical element, did you pick up any of that from the music? On my computer, it said 3 minutes 48 seconds, but it felt more like 12,000 years. (laughs) So I don't know if that's... So it it did break the bounds of time. (laughs) It did, yeah. For you. For me, it shattered them. Well, and you know what? I was the opposite because I was compelled. It was almost like a a force, a being, Mm. like a Balinese angel cat uh, coming through (laughs) my angel self to click forward over and over and over. Yes. And it actually only took me 20 seconds to listen to a three minute and 40 second track. So You felt the paw of destiny. So you literally got involved in time travel. Yes. I think we both did. (laughs) But I do have one important criticism about this as a Christmas single. Oh, yeah? And that is that there's one instrument that should be there, and it isn't. Which one? Yeah. Well, it's a Christmas single. Should there be jingling bells on it, Mike? Oh, shoot. Yeah, right. That would so go with the aesthetic of that piece. We were spared that. How can it be a Christmas single without sleigh bells on it? I mean, really? I can hear the disappointment in your voice. I was going to say, but you, the fact that you moved past it without doing anything rash... We're, we're not going to ruin the season. Is a, ...is a testament to your growth. Well, it did inspire me, though. To dream up a little Christmas quiz for you both. Ooh. <laughs> All right. I, like the I love Christmas. I mean, I didn't want to waste the opportunity of having potential teams for a Christmas quiz. <gasps> That's right. Can I be on Rebecca's team? Oh, you're going down, John. Oh, no. That's, what I'm scared. That's exactly what I'm scared of. Don't worry. I'll also be your therapy dog, so it's okay. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Spreading your time between me and Andrew Lloyd Webber. Sounds good. I mean, it seems like every Christmas single has sleigh bells on it. Mm. Indeed, they appear on possibly the earliest surviving Christmas recording from 1898 on Wax Cylinder. The Edison Male Quartet sang Jingle Bells with sleigh bells. My goodness, okay. Well worth hunting down on on YouTube because it's a full kind of 
uh, Merry Christmas to you, Mr. Chumley, kind of style. Oh, I love old-timey radio. So, I'm wanting to test your memory of which Christmas songs have sleigh bells and which don't. Okay, bring it on. I've got a few in my head that I think I know. I don't, so I'm just going to go see. (laughs) (laughs) This is the classic round first. We have Frank Sinatra's Let It Snow. So that's, oh, the weather outside is frightful. Mm -hmm. You've got Gene Autry's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Right, okay. Mm -hmm. Brenda Lee, rocking around the Christmas tree. It's a Christmas party hop, right? Yeah. Bing Crosby, Santa Claus is coming to town. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better (laughs) not pout. I'm telling, ching, ching, ching. Uh, (laughs) You've got Perry Como. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Mm. Okay, so the question is, how many of those five have sleigh bells in them? Oof. All of them. Oof. Which ones are you more or less certain about? Reindeer, definitely. Yeah. I'm feeling confident about rocking around the Christmas tree because if I'm not mistaken, that song begins um, with just like some song, da-dum, 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 da rocking around. And I think the da-dum, da-dum has sleigh bells in it. Yeah. Well, and I think Santa, anytime there's a song with Santa in it, they do because they're trying to, you know, bring in the whole, that there's the reindeer. Yeah. But the Let It Snow, I don't, I mean, I'm just saying yes to all of them because why not? But um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't believe it. Let It Snow needs to have that but it doesn't mean it's not there just because i personally wouldn't have put it in what do you think see i'm with you 100 percent on those three in the middle having sleigh bells that the rudolph the red nose rocking around and santa claus is coming to town and i'm gonna i'm just gonna say this is from my deep knowledge of mike yeah but i don't think he's given us five songs all of which have them yeah he's been on the wrong end of a number of quizzes with me <laughs> oh oh so this is a psychology <laughs> there you go oh. I've, I've suffered at this quiz master's hands before yeah so i'm actually i'm gonna say three i'm gonna say those two that i'm not sure about the let it snow and the beginning to look a lot like christmas okay don't have sleigh bells in the middle three do have sleigh bells that's my angle is that your final answer john really really is that what you is that, is that it? Well, I, I, I think so really are you positive i think so but i'm not sure yet because i'm gonna wait are you confident no i'm gonna wait and hear what you say and then i might change my answer gonna wait to hear your reasoning yeah i might, I might change my answer depending on what you say well i think it's gonna be four hmm. beginning to look a lot like christmas because it could be it's beginning to look to sound a lot like christmas Ooh. you know so like you know the aesthetics could be there like that could make sense you're right it has the potential doesn't it mm. yeah and the thing is i can't actually like hear them all in my head i mean i can hear the voices in my head but i can't (laughs) that sounds great i can hear their voices in my head Um, but i can't actually hear the arrangements very well so this is really all of a guess so i'm gonna say four not let it snow okay okay final answers final answers oh yeah only one of them has sleigh bells. Wait, what? So, rocking around the Christmas tree. Is it Rudolph? The only one that has sleigh bells in it is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Whoa! None of the others have it. Even rocking around the Christmas tree? No! I no. was going to say, doesn't it start with a bunch of stabs featuring sleigh bells? Not in the original version. I'm surprised. Whoa! And disappointed. Yeah, me too. Then they're not real Christmas songs. <laughs> it turns out... That this cliche we have about sleigh bells on Christmas songs, a lot of the early songs didn't actually have them, but it's become increasingly common over the years. Mm, It's become a trope. So basically, what you've both been hearing are phantom sleigh bells. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You've both got a really bad case of phantom sleigh bells. I'm just almost like tinnitus, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm I'm hearing sleigh bells on everything now. But the thing (laughs) is, I think that I'm also mixing up because, like, there's sleigh bells, but there's also the orchestral big... 
bell things that they hit. The tubular bells? Yeah. That's in like everything also. Yeah. But uh, but I think maybe like those two things are getting mixed up in my head. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, let's move a bit more modern then. And in modern records, sleigh bells are much more common. Mm -hmm. But not every song has them. Okay. So I've got a couple of lists here for you. The first one is this one. We have Band-Aids, Do They Know It's Christmas? Do they know it's Christmas time at all? Yeah. We've got Cliff Richards, Mistletoe and Wine. I don't even know that song. It was a huge hit in in England. Okay. And we have Wham's Last Christmas. Is Last Christmas the one like I gave you my heart? Yeah, that's the one. I love that song. Okay. Now, only two of those have sleigh bells in them. The question is, which one doesn't? What are you thinking, Rebecca? Because you, you don't know the middle one well. Well, do they know it's Christmas? Isn't Don't they have like kids singing in there I think, somewhere? Yeah, there's definitely there's, like, a kids, kids choir in there. Yeah, I think there's like sleigh bells in that one. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to say it's only last Christmas and do they know it's Christmas. That's 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 what I believe. What's your level of certainty here? It's at least um, subwoofer level. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. About eight hertz. Yeah, yeah. Hey, about give, eight give hertz, yes, of certainty level, yes. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go a different way. I can't hear them in my head on Wham's Last Christmas. So I'm gonna say that Band Aid and Cliff Richard used sleigh bells and Wham did not. So you're saying Wham doesn't have them? Mm-hmm. Rebecca is saying that Cliff Richard doesn't have them. We're both wrong, aren't we? And actually, Band Aid doesn't have them. It does <laughs> definitely have Wait, them. I'm what? sure it does. <laughs> it does not have them. I can hear it. There's children. There's bells. There's jingling. There's. It's the tubular bells. Oh. Oh my goodness me, so there's nothing jingling. You know why? Because it's a sad song, so there's no jingle bells. So you can't have jingle bells in a sad song? Yeah. Well, okay, round three. We have Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas. Okay, I'm feeling a bit more confident on this one. We've got Paul McCartney, Wonderful Christmas Time. Oh God, Wonderful Christmas Time, the worst Christmas song ever written. I don't enjoy it, but it does get stuck in my head, like a corn kernel in the back of my teeth. Oh yes, it does. Yeah. Oh God. And we've got Slade... Merry Christmas, everyone. The one uh-huh. that goes, well, here it is. Merry Christmas. Now, that's got that the things. That's got the big things. Yeah, because I feel like Wonderful Christmas Time, that's basically the whole rhythm section. Okay. Is ka-ching, ching, Well, definitely Wonderful Christmas Time. Are you telling us how many of them have them this time? Two of them have sleigh bells and the other one doesn't. Oh, okay. Okay, well, what if I say you're wrong? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Fight the power, Rebecca. This is what I never had the courage to do. Own it. Put him in his place. Yeah. <laughs> this is quiz mastering that obeys no bounds of time or creativity or whatever it is. All right. So I, I think uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah. So McCartney and Slade, I think they use it. And Carrie, I think it's more that I'm hearing those, the big things. I don't know if I'm actually hearing. I know I'm wrong. And so I, I'm just going to go down the wrong path and admit it. Okay. Like, just go with it. Own it. Own it. McCarthy Slade. So you're saying McCartney and Slade have sleigh bells and Mariah Carey doesn't? Yes. Okay, what about you, John? Weirdly, I'm going to use exactly the same argument I used on the first question. I think the thing that I was remembering, the da-dung, 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 dung, yeah. it's not from Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, is it? That's literally how <laughs> you get into the fast bit of All I Want for Christmas. Yeah, it is. Because I played on the piano for a sing-along. Now, maybe it's a tambourine, but I don't think, I think Mike wouldn't, I, he wouldn't be that cruel. So I'm sure All I Want for Christmas has it. I'm sure Paul McCartney has it. I'm going to say Slade doesn't have it. So John's saying that Slade doesn't have it. And Rebecca is saying that Mariah Carey doesn't have it. And John leaps into the lead Wait! with a massive one point. <laughs> oh, 
So Mar- Mariah Carey does have jingle bells in it. She certainly does, and Slade don't. All right, all right. Well, I'm, I was just getting warmed up. I'm just making you feel good. <laughs> That's all. And we have a final round, all right. which is Ooh. there are actually some non-Christmas songs that have sleigh bells in it. <laughs> Mike, I love your quizzes. <laughs> and here are three of them, or rather two of them and one that doesn't have sleigh bells in it. So we have Beach Boys, God Only Knows. Mm. The Stooges, debut single, I Want to Be Your Dog. I don't even know that one. And The Beatles, Obladee, Oblada. Two of these songs have jingle bells in them? Yep. All right, well, God Only Knows, I'm going to say does. Well, God Only Knows definitely does, because it has that very intro, which goes, da-dum-da-dum-da-dum-dum. Every intro is da-dum-da-dum-da-dum. Well, I'm not sure I'm going to allow this kind of conferring. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, if you'd asked me in just open play which of these songs or do any of these songs, I would say that none of them had jingle bells. Exactly. With some confidence. Yeah, not tambourine. Just sleigh bells. So I'm going to go for Beach Boys and the Beatles, because I don't know the Stooges. That's my logic. <laughs> I, I love God Only Knows. It's such a beautiful song. I, I can't remember sleigh bells in it. So I'm going to say I want to be your dog and obla di obla da have sleigh bells. The Beach Boys does not. Okay. All right. What are we betting here? <laughs> Ooh, oh, that's a good question. It's going to have to be some kind of sleigh bell related forfeit. <laughs> what, what would you like, Rebecca? As our guest, I think you get to choose. Sing me a song. That's what I would want. You have to sing me a Christmas song. <laughs> okay. And right back at you. Right back at you. So. Okay. We'll do a phrase. If it, whoever, whoever lose has to serenade. Fair. Okay. So John's saying that the Beach Boys God Only Knows doesn't have sleigh bells in. That's what I'm saying. And Rebecca's saying that the Stooges I Want to Be Your Dog doesn't have sleigh bells in. Right. And it's actually the Beatles' Obla Dio Da that doesn't have sleigh bells in it. <laughs> God Only Knows has sleigh bells in it. It certainly does. Where? Right in the beginning. Ah. Oh. Well, in the verse. Da, 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 da. It's in there. I can hear things, but I can't tell that they're sleigh bells. I mean, I, I picked it, <laughs> but, you know, it's hard to know the difference between all different kinds of bells. When I mean, that is a processed song also. I know. Like, that is a mm. heavily processed song. Oh, yeah. There's a lot going on there. But they're quite clear to hear. I No, I'm just... You, you're, you're checking. You're fact-checking me. One sec. They're there. There they are. They're right there on every single beat of the song. But I wouldn't have known they're sleigh bells, I guess. Because it isn't in context. You don't think of it as sleigh bells, do you? No, of course not. You just think it was some kind of jingly percussion. It's a jingly sound, but it's not jingly bells because it's not a Christmas song. And do you know any other songs that have them in? Ooh. Non-Christmas songs with sleigh bells. I mean, at this stage, I can kind of imagine them into every song I can think of. <laughs> I've, I've done it. I've, I've given you Slabolitis. Yes, 100%. <laughs> yeah, and every song starts the same. <laughs> if I was in my basement, I'd go get my sleigh bells. I actually have... They're loud. They're big. Really? Actual sleigh bells, like the four-sided... Oh, they are. Thing, like, they're loud. I bought them for one of my children's concerts because I would conduct children choirs. Mm. And they were louder than the entire choir. <laughs> wow. So I And the kid who held them, it's like, you know, it was like bigger than they are. <laughs> well, you know you can get tuned sleigh bells. No, really? There's actually a Mozart divertimento that uses tuned sleigh bells. Really? Four different notes, a bit like timpani. The amount of Googling. Its nickname is Schlittenfart, which is Sleigh Ride. (laughs) Okay, now I know. But what this means is that after four intensely hard-fought rounds, (laughs) our final score is... John, one point. One. Rebecca Angel, zero points. We are hardcore music fans. I was going to say, clearly. I tell you what, John, I'm going to suggest, given that you are you are, have the winner's prerogative, mm. that you request a particular Christmas song. 
I think that seems fair. All right, what would you like me saying? And and can I make a suggestion? I, I, I mean, given that you were the quiz master and didn't actually get any points in this round, it seems a little rich. But I will, <laughs> I will hear your suggestion. I think we would all benefit from a brief rendition of Twangles the Christmas Squid. <laughs> oh, Twangles! <laughs> I don't even slightly disagree. Yes, please. Oh, I love that song. Like, yeah. This is your forfeit. Can we please have a bit of, of the Christmas Squid? Yeah. So, Twangles the Christmas Squid. He's the squishiest squid that ever did. Bring presents to the children and the people down below. Do, 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 do. Twangles the Christmas Squid. He's a cephalopod who's bringing toys to kids and <laughs> underwater cities where Santa cannot go. Hooray! Oh, that's fabulous. <laughs> Best use of cephalopod in a song. I know. <laughs> I, I would say so. It does not make it into enough songs. Yeah, Twangles is a, is a good sing-along. Oh, absolutely. Um, I was doing uh, every day for uh, one December, one year in December, every day I would record a Christmas song and put it in context uh, to explain a part of Christmas history. Oh, fun. It's a fabulous playlist. I guess another thing I'm going to put in the mailing list. You know, at the beginning, it sounded like a good idea. And then you're like, shoot, it's like every day. Like, And, and it, <laughs> I wouldn't record ahead of time. Oh, wow. Because I had the list of songs, but... Because I, me, I didn't practice ahead of the day. So <laughs> it would be like the day of like, oh, uh, right. What are the chords? Okay, let's sing it. And then sometimes I'd grab my kids and be like, come sing with me. And those are the best ones. I want to know what part of the history of Christmas Twangles the Christmas Squid illustrated. This is the new characters for Christmas songs. Uh, okay. Like what are the new newest songs out there? And I just did a Google search. Oh, really? And I said, how could I not do the one about a squid? <laughs> but it was a scramble. Christmas Eve, you know, not only doing all the packaging and stuff for the kids and stuff, <laughs> it was also trying to find chords for the song. Mm. And so I had to like sit there and do the thing where you're just like, poking stuff out on the keyboard while I'm listening to it every five seconds, you know, until like two in the morning. We've all been there. Yeah. And and then the next morning be like, okay, now I can sing it. Here are the chords. Didn't even get to practice, but at least I have it. And yay. Merry Christmas, everyone. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that one was a fun one to choose. There, there are a lot of new Christmas songs though. And like every year they come out with more. And all I want to hear is Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas. Right. Doesn't matter how many new ones come out. Mm. That's the winner for me. Always has been. Yeah. Everybody like sings at the top of their lungs when that one comes on. Yeah. Have you got a favorite sing along a Christmas song, Mike? Whoa, it's tricky. Most of the like modern ones I could kind of take or leave. To be honest, mm. I'm a full Renaissance medieval kind of guy myself. I like a lot of the earlier stuff. Mm. In fact, you sang some of the ones I like in your 25 Days of Christmas. Yeah. Like, oh, come, come, Emmanuel's one of my favorites. Oh, so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that one I love because it's so old, like, mm. you know, and you know that it hasn't been messed with. Like old Lang Syne. <laughs> like old Lang Syne. <laughs> yeah. So some of the older ones. Actually, with old Lang Syne, a friend of mine lived in Japan, and he said that's what they use to close stores. Really? That's the, the store will be closing soon song. Oh, wow. So grocery stores, when it's like the end of the night, you hear that and you're like, oh, okay, time to go. Closing time. Like last orders, basically. Which actually rhymes with old Lang Syne as well. It's in one to the tune of the other <laughs> we'll drink the cup of beer yeah it is time for closing time kind of thing isn't it there's a mash up there it's waiting to happen I wanted to figure out how we could get an Atlantis in there but I couldn't figure out how to get a rhyme that quick <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Atlantis is or, calling or just simply the phrase beautiful Balinese angel cat yeah 
Yeah. That could be it. John, that's your next single. You could release a Christmas song. I'm canceling the other one. <laughs> yes. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw away the song that I've been working on. I'm gonna go this way instead. And what you need then is you need a publicity house that has experience promoting Christmas singles. <laughs> Just in a surface way, really getting into the history yeah. of the song. <laughs> so, Rebecca, a quick bit of my podcasting technique. Mike is the one responsible for editing this um, mess together. And obviously, some things every month have to hit the cutting room floor. Hard to believe, I know. And when there's something that I'm really, really keen for it to make in, I could try and make it funny, I could try and make it interesting, but that's too much work. Instead, I just make sure that I mention it at least once in each segment, because then it has to be in all of them or it doesn't make sense. C, beautiful Balinese angel cat. I will be flogging that dead horse until Mike has no option. No, no option. But to feature it. This kind of weaponized callback. The weaponized callback is exactly what I'm doing. Now we have, as we always do, a bag fit to burst of urgent, important, desperate questions <laughs> mm. from our legion of listeners. Mm. Still remarkably ignorant, mm. given how much help we've already <laughs> offered them. But this month, for the first time ever in Project Studio Tea Break history, I'm going to ignore you. <laughs> listeners, you can wait. Just, I don't know, try not to scratch it. Um, <laughs> add more reverb. Uh, put the mic further away. I don't know. Just like plug it in. <laughs> plug it in. Or if that's the problem, unplug it. <laughs> You're just going to have to rely on the evergreens for this month because this is my question. Mm. It's coming straight from me and it's all we could make this month's question about because our podcast is called The Project Studio Tea Break. <laughs> And we spend an awful lot of time talking about Project Studios. Yeah. And breaks. But not nearly enough talking about tea. So my question, what is the best tea for the Project Studio? I would say it would be a rooibos chai. And this is off the top of my head because... You guys got a lot of spice. Ooh. And I heard that you don't do caffeine. So <laughs> I feel so hurt. You see? <laughs> this is what we get when we get a proper tea specialist on, you see. This is what a professional sounds like. Consideration. It's amazing. Preparation. Actual knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, oh, listeners, don't expect this, all right? This is not, this is a treat. It's a high bar. A Christmas treat. Yes, I, I would definitely say rooibos, but um, there there are many different, ver like chai is like, you know, a tomato sauce. Everybody makes their own version. <laughs> so I would say, you know, if, if you're saying there's like cardamom and cinnamon and cloves, um, I would say a lighter on the cinnamon. And actually, because we already put cinnamon in that pumpkin that we didn't talk about. Um, <laughs> yes, you're right, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't want to over, overload it with cinnamon. Mm. Maybe a little nutmeg, you know, like, so if you're really creating that and that would bring, but rooibos has a really subtle flavor. So I wouldn't do it too much. Okay. Definitely honey. I'm so with you. Because you guys have a lot of spice. Like, so it's not like just that straight up. And then you're both very sweet. I Aww. mean, just like, I'm just so flattered to even be on here. So that Aww. would definitely be a big dollop of, of honey. Locally, of course, locally organic honey. Of course. Uh, and then <laughs> definitely uh, oat milk, but it's got to be like shaken so you get like a nice foam. Mm. Uh, because there's also a lot of uh, uh, fluff, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> this is encapsulating the podcast. I love it. I feel so very, very seen. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds delicious. Yeah. 
so that would be that would be my tea for you guys. Oh. And it has the added benefit. Yes. That if you spill it over your keyboard, there's no going back. <laughs> you can just abandon hope. You don't have to have that moment of, well, maybe I can salvage it. No. Maybe if I take it apart and get the Q-tips out. No, it's dead. It's done. If you spill it over your keyboard, you no longer have a keyboard. You have a hummingbird feeder. <laughs> and that's cool too. Just like throw the wire over the branch of a tree. Yeah. And, and see all the animals rejoice, you know? But what if we needed something with, with caffeine in it to keep us even more wired than we are normally? Ooh. So if you have a black, like a really good Assam, mm -hmm. and then you don't add a peppermint tea, instead you just get a candy cane, and you just put that, and you just stir it, you just stir oh, it in wow. your black tea. That's clever. This is so bespoke. And for this one, you gotta use real milk. Like, yeah. not half and half, which is lame and for wusses. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta use heavy cream, okay? We're, we're talking depth here. Yeah. But not overbrewed. Right. So you just put a lot of tea, mm. still only brew it for a few minutes. And then stir in that peppermint stick and you will be awake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that is so seasonally relevant as well. Yes, there you go. I mean, you can just pluck your candy cane from the Christmas tree. We're in the middle of a Venn diagram I didn't know existed between like bespoke <laughs> tea and cocktail mixology. I could go <laughs> to a fancy bar here in Berlin and I could imagine being served, you know, a dense but not overbrewed black Assam with heavy <laughs> organic cream stirred with a candy cane. And that's, yeah. I mean, it would cost me 36 euros, but yes, like, yes, yes. it would be delicious, <laughs> I'm quite sure. It would not be even slightly out of place in Berlin. Not at all. Really? I've never been anywhere around there. You must come. It's wonderful mm -hmm. for the two and a half months a year when the sun shines. <laughs> um, so just missed them this year. Okay, now this tea, especially that that first one, mm. the rooibos chai. Yeah, I think this is going to become my my standard studio drink. So it's going to need a name. I can't always be referring to it as a rooibos chai with honey and um, oat milk. So it's I, true. you know, I, I would pitch beautiful Balinese angel cat. <laughs> <laughs> sort of the first one that comes to mind. Yeah, that was like on my mind as well. We we think so much alike. It's incredible, isn't it? Beautiful Balinese angel cat tea, oh, and it has a drink. It already has a jingle. And my one, I can call the editor's railroad tea. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I think we both have to extend a huge thanks and wave of gratefulness. This big. Towards our first ever live guest and celebrity tea correspondent, Rebecca Angel. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Thank you so, so much, Rebecca. Oh, this was so much fun. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. Oh, thank you so much. I really, really had a great time with you and continue doing what you're doing because I'm a fan. <laughs> I am such a huge fan of the two of you. So I will be listening. We're, we're going to have to shape our act up now because we know we have a listener. <laughs> that complicates everything. <laughs> now you know I'm there. <laughs> we have the evidence. And that's, where can people find you, Rebecca? My uh, website, as you have mentioned... <laughs> it's RebeccaAngel.com Dot com Because I grabbed it back when there was still dial-up <laughs> <laughs> And from there you can actually go off to everything else mm -hmm. But if you're looking on social media Rebecca Angel Music is usually where you find me So if, if on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube I believe it's also Rebecca Angel Music Amazing All the streaming platforms
albums have my music. Yeah, the problem would be, are you getting the right one? Yes. So that one, I can't help you with that. So like basically, just listen to all the Rebecca Angels and you'll probably <laughs> bump into me at some point. <laughs> we'll make sure to stick all those links into the um, show notes and put lots of stuff. I mean, we've covered loads of ground, so we'll have to stick that stuff in the mailing list as well. Yeah, I just got your mailing list today. Hey! Actually, we, we haven't plugged that for a little while. How can people make like Rebecca Angel mm-hmm. and join the Project <laughs> Studio Tea Break mailing list? <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that, John, because they all they have to do is head over to ProjectStudioTeaBreak.com mm-hmm. and there they can sign up for our mailing list. And they can also email us at teabreak at projectstudioteabreak.com. We could even sign them up manually if they can't handle that level of technology. <laughs> if they're still on dial-up. <laughs> Furthermore, they can tweet at us at projectstudioteabreak.com. <laughs> That's not true. That's not where Twitter lives at all. <laughs> I've only done this 43 times before. That is not a before. Twitter hangover. They can also tweet at us at projectstudio.com. <laughs> They can also tweet you at... (laughs) Leave it to the pro. I don't know. This is, again, why Mike's editing is so incredible. I I think the best I've ever done is within 10 tries. They can also tweet us at... (laughs) They can also tweet us at twitter.com forward slash PSTV tweets. And you can catch us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash PSTV books. Um... Mike, have you got anything to plug? I, I'm going to have some vocal editing articles coming out in Sound on Sound fairly shortly. There'll be a series of three of them. The first one's just about to land, all about comping vocal performances and then tuning them and then dealing with sibilance and things like that. So you can look out for that. And what about you, John? For myself, uh, when you hear this, I will still have, I think, 10 dates left at the Royal Opera House with Wolfwich Giant Fairy. Um, would love to see some tea breakers there. So that, that is Covent Garden in London. Please do let me know on the email if you might be able to make it. It would be lovely to see you after the show. Yes. And Rebecca, over to you. Anything in particular that people should be looking out for? I will almost definitely do something that has to do with Christmas and probably on my YouTube channel. If not, a little live Christmas stream Mm. Uh, that's because it really is one of my favorite things to do is to sing Christmas songs. So I will probably be doing something on there. Beautiful. In which case, it only remains for me to say thank you so very, very much for listening. Uh, if you're my one mate who goes to sleep listening to this, sweet, sweet dreams, gorgeous. <laughs> um, and ta-ra, <laughs> ta-ra! <laughs>